This episode of the Local Hustlers podcast is brought to you by Flamingo Pools, your go-to maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Stop wasting your valuable time trying to take care of your pool and let the professionals at Flamingo Pools take care of it for you. Visit azflamingopools.com for a free quote today. You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast. East Valley Locals. Get connected with small businesses near you and dive deep into their stories, mindset, and motives. Entrepreneurs everywhere. Get ready to be inspired by business owners, entrepreneurs, and hustlers that you can relate to and learn from. And now, your hosts, Dallin Huso and Ridge Waldberg. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Local Hustlers podcast. We got another uh, great episode here. Um, we are with Rajiv Patel, uh, the owner and founder of Nico's Barbershop, uh, the man behind the razor doing all the, the tricks. Um, so, Rajiv, it's, it's great to have you here today. Thanks, guys. Thanks yeah, for having me. Good to be here with you. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, how about you take a minute and just kind of introduce yourself and who you are and kind of life before Nico's? Yeah, you know, it's that's kind of a hard question, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, my name is Rajiv Patel. Um, my parents are both both immigrated here. My father was from India, and my mom is from Nicaragua. And so I'm first generation here in the United States. I was actually born in Washington D.C., the nation's capital. Okay. And um, bounced around a lot as a kid. Um, and my father, growing up. Uh, he was an alcoholic, so we, he struggled a lot. And when I was eight years old, he actually passed away. And so early on, kind of learned to, I, for lack of a, a better way of saying it, just figure figure things out, you know, <laughs> because we just didn't have anything. Yeah. My mom worked a couple jobs. She worked the morning and at, um, lunch shift at McDonald's, and then at night she'd go over to Sizzler and work the night shift there. So my brother and I, it was just him and I pretty much kind of taking care of things and each other. So we kind of learned early on if we wanted something, we had to work for it or, you know, it would, things weren't easy, you know? Yeah. And so anyways, um, um, few years go by and I started getting into music and uh, played music professionally all the way up until my 20s. And, uh, yeah, so, so, you know, I, I, I think part of who I am is a creative. I love to create things and I need to create to almost be fulfilled and happy. Mm. And so that's kind of come into my life as an entrepreneur, um, starting businesses and, you know, with, with like Nico's, you know, um, is just, that fulfills my creative side and and that's what makes it fun for me. So I don't know. That's kind of who I am. Nice. What yeah. what instruments did you play? I play guitar mainly, mm-hmm. but you know I play a little bass and drums and yeah, but mainly guitar. So mm-hmm. what yeah. type of style? We I was uh, I always play like rock music and then I've done like solo stuff. And okay. Yeah. Yeah. Different different things. So anything on the vocals? No, no, not me. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Well, I'm kind of interested just to hear a bit more about that. You said you did professionally. So what yeah. what all did that entail in terms of so, traveling or? Yeah. So. When I was 16, the band I was in, uh, we got a record deal, and mm-hmm. so um, uh, that that was kind of the first. If I look back, like big decisions in my life, that was kind of one of the first 
big decisions in my life because I dropped out of high school and we began to travel the U.S. and travel through Canada and Mexico and every night was a different um, city. And uh, so I learned a lot. It kind of opened my mind on the world and uh, I, I, you know, innately learned a little bit more about um, dealing with people and Uh business and Uh And then, you know, there'd be nights where we would be out and, you know, we didn't have enough money to get to the next city. So we'd have to like go to the mall and sell CDs or, you know, or just hustle. Yeah. So I was just always, always hustling. Yeah. Yeah, Just figuring out how we're going to get to this spot or that spot. But but it was all for the creative. It was all for the love, you know. And so we had ups and downs and, um, and yeah. So when did you finally like hang up the guitar and. So it was kind of in two parts. So um, when I was uh, 19, almost 20, uh, I served a mission for my church. I, so that's kind of a uh, something that was an important event in my life that that um, that happened, like almost like an awakening. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess, like you said, I hung it up and I served my mission in, in Peru. So I was there for two years and I came back and then I started kind of getting back into it a little bit. Yeah. Then, but I, I would say kind of hang it up was when I got married uh, 25. So okay. that was about, yeah, um, eight years ago. So you did music for a while then? Yeah, I did music for a while. Kept kept on the road touring. It's just kind of what I what I knew, you know, uh-huh. felt real comfortable for me. So Did you love doing that? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, for sure. What? I, Sorry. Go. No, I was just going to say, I think some people are like, hey, do you miss playing music? And I think I don't miss it because I feel like I'm fulfilled in other ways, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. creatively. So like right now with Nico's like, you know, um, barbering and building the business and things like that. I feel I feel like that creativity is being filled that way. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy, you yeah, know. That's cool. So. Why did you decide to hang it up that second time when you were 25? Uh, just more stability. Mm-hmm. And then I started, my mind started shifting more into uh in, investing and money and okay. that that became fun for me you know right yeah um and then at that time i was doing um door to door so i sold door to door for six years okay so that's what i was gonna ask yeah so, so yeah, you're doing so that's something. a whole other thing yeah, too yeah. so i would go door to door i'd sell in the summer and then i'd come home and then and then leave i would i would go travel and tour and play music okay okay and then the money that i would make from door to door i would invest into real estate you know, oh, wow. and it was uh, kind of a, a low point in the real estate market here in Arizona, uh-huh. you know, the recession. So I'd buy properties and flip them and rent them. And, you know, and so that became fun for me. And so and then right. I eventually got my real estate license and got into real estate. And I still am. It's still a passion of mine. Yeah. It's something fun that I like to do. So yeah. that's cool. What do you think music has taught you like as like an entrepreneur now? Mm hmm. Yes. You know, it's funny. Like I, I look back to writing music and I can uh, draw a parallel to writing a song to like really anything, you know, you know, with, you know, this is a podcast about entrepreneurs and, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. inspiring people to start businesses and, and, or, or keep pushing in uh-huh. their business. And so it's like with the song, you start with an idea, yeah. you know, maybe you're fiddling around in your guitar and it's like, Oh, that's a cool riff. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's the foundation of your idea is just this one little part. And then from there you build off of it. You know, you write the verse, you write the chorus, you know, you write lyrics. And so, 
that is the main thing I took away from being a musician is and being a musician is you start with an idea and an idea is enough to build something complete you know that's super cool yeah yeah you think you could write us a new intro for this podcast? I know, yeah, okay, I got you guys. <laughs> uh, we appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so no college experience? No, yeah. So yeah, you know, um, I you know dropped out of high school. Yeah. I eventually ended up getting my GED just just to have it, you right, know. Right. Um, but um, I went. I took a couple college classes, but nothing. That was okay. I always I was always curious on learning things from people. Yeah. Okay. So I had this thing where, and I still do. I love to meet with people um, that are doing different things, and yeah. I'll just take them to lunch and talk to them. And so I, I became almost obsessive, uh, like trying to connect with people and, and seeing what was in their mind yeah. and what they did, and that's what inspired me. Huh. Um, you know, like you know, if I was having an issue, I would talk to someone that you know maybe went through that before yeah yeah and i'd offer to take them to lunch or meet up or talk on the phone and so that was the biggest thing for me was like learning from people okay mm-hmm. cool. okay yeah because i think a lot of people have a, an opinion that oh well if you don't go to school where'd you learn yeah and so for you you learn through people i learned i yeah i learned through people and i honestly um have never been afraid to take risks mm-hmm. and i think it kind of goes back to when i was um, a young kid and you know I, I always I've always felt and I still feel like I have nothing to lose yeah because I know what the bottom is like and so yeah, it's yeah. like I've been there before so I'm not afraid to go back so uh-huh. I've just I you know and so sometimes you know I make decisions just from my gut and you know and someone can look at next to me and like what are you doing you know and yeah but for me I'm not afraid of that of that bottom level. Well, you know that you can get out of that bottom level. Yeah, too. I have faith in myself, yeah. and you know I've mm-hmm. been there before, so I, you know, that's that that was always something in the front of my mind. You know, whenever whenever I would do anything, and you know, even like door to door, I sold door to door, get rejected all day. Mm-hmm. You know, and but that's how I always had that mentality too. You know, the more no's you get, is you get closer to that yes. Yeah. You know, so that's how I don't know. Maybe from early on when I was a kid, I always had that in my mind. Uh huh. Cool. Okay, so without any you know college degree, without graduating high school, how did you go from um, this high school dropout to becoming a savvy? business owner entrepreneur where did you get those skills was this all from like you said talking to people around you that you knew were successful or where did you kind of learn these these skills yeah I think you know just like anything in life you learn by doing mm-hmm. so I, I, I you guys will find out I, I, I'm really big on on analogies okay like <laughs> I don't know that's how my mind works but um, for instance um, when I when I was younger I learned to snowboard Mm-hmm. And when you when you snowboard, you start on they call it the bunny hill. Yeah, yeah. and you you basically are learning just to stand up and go down the hill, and right. and but eventually the bunny hill becomes boring because it's not a problem. Then you go to the the blue, the blue sections, and I remember this in my mind vividly because I learned how to snowboard over a season. Uh-huh. And so once I felt like the bunny hill was easy, I'd go to the board and look and like okay, these are blues. So the blue is like beginner, yeah, you know, yeah. for people that haven't snowboarded or skied. So there's different levels. And so so I would take the lift up to blues. And then once the blues weren't challenging to me anymore, it became less fun. 
So then I started looking at the reds, which were intermediates, and then I started doing reds. And then once that became less challenging to me, it was less fun. And then I started going into, uh, I never got like really into the blacks. Uh I was always just like a cruiser, but you know, I started doing a couple blacks and challenging myself. Mm -hmm. So I think how, how my mind is, and just to answer your question is you learn by doing, but the more you do and the more you challenge yourself, there's a direct correlation with challenge and having fun. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. the more you're challenging yourself in business and in life, the more you have to overcome and as you overcome it that is fun yeah. but there's a time where the bunny hill isn't fun anymore uh-huh. so you need to go to the blues and there's right. a time where it's like well you know what like I got this, this blue down huh. I'm not challenging myself anymore so this isn't fun so it's a natural progression based off of overcoming the challenge you're in and so everyone's just on a different hill so yeah. to speak yeah. or a different run yeah. and that's why success is so vast you know, someone who's could stand up on the bunny hill and is that's a challenge for them and they uh-huh. do it, that's that's a success. And someone who's doing a double di- double black diamond and doing it, that's a success too. So yeah. there's so many different uh, forms of success and for levels, sure. but that's how I if I look at it that way, that's how I look at it is um, is it was just starting little and then sh- and then making sure I was always challenging myself. And then once that challenge was gone, I, I just stopped having fun and I just went to the next okay, level. That's super cool. Yeah. So do you think there's any sort of blanket definition for success or do you think it's different for each person? I think I think there's different levels of success. So for instance, someone that's listening, maybe they're in a job interview at GoDaddy. Mm-hmm. And if they get that job, that they're going to feel successful that, mm-hmm. that's a great job but then there's someone within the ranks of GoDaddy that doesn't have the next level yeah. and he doesn't feel successful yeah so it's subjective based off of where you're at but honestly success to me is inner peace of where you're at so it doesn't matter really what status you have or what title you have is are you at peace with yourself that's that's success you know, it doesn't have anything to do with money or, or, or status or you have this or that. Yeah, it's just yeah. the most peaceful feeling in your heart. That's that's when you're when you're successful. Cool. Um, well, I guess let's kind of jump into to why we're here today. Talk a bit about Nico's. What what made you decide to start a barbershop? Are you sorry? Are, are you a barber like from the past? Is that what? Yeah. So that's doing? part of the story. Okay. So <laughs> so I'll go ahead and uh, and break it down. So. Um, it, after I was selling door to door, I uh, s- uh, started an alarm company. Oh, so I did my mm-hmm. own. So that was part of getting married. I wanted more stability, so uh, went ahead and did my own thing, mm-hmm. and uh, started that company and ran it. And then in seventeen, I sold and got out, and I wanted to find that next hill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So throughout that time. I had a barber, his name was Dave. And Dave has a barbershop called Dave's Barbershop. It's on McClintock and Baseline. And I used to have an office out there. That's why I went to the, that was the nearest shop. But yeah. then we moved out to East Gilbert and I would still go to Dave. And so I would go every two weeks and he charged $16 a haircut and I would just give him a 20. Yeah. So I was essentially giving Dave 40 bucks a month. In the business, that we had, we would do the same thing. We would set up an alarm system and charge them. 
so it was like reoccurring monthly revenue uh-huh, uh-huh. and the average system was forty dollars a month yeah so in my mind I'm like I'm like an alarm system for Dave you know yeah. the, the 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 economics of it yeah mm-hmm. so I always was fascinated with barbering because for a number of reasons but on the on the economic end of it it was like you create reoccurring customers mm-hmm. and that reoccurring customer is gonna go to you and pay you yeah and it had parallel with what I was doing. So, so, so the, the economic end of it was, was there. And then when I would travel, I would go, you know, I'd be in New York or Chicago or LA and I'd see these really awesome barber shops. The build out was cool. It had a great vibe. It had a culture. Yeah. And I never really saw that here in the East Valley. Mm-mm. And so when I sold in 17, I went to my wife and I said, Hey, uh, I want to open a, a barbershop. Mm-hmm. And just to give you a little background, I had never, I didn't even know how to hold a clipper. <laughs> and I obviously didn't have my license. I didn't even know a barber. I just knew Dave. He was yeah. a barber. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know anyone that I had no idea. <laughs> and so but she was, she, she always believes in me and she was, she's like, okay, like what, what are we going to do? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to call up. I have a, a commercial broker. I was like, I'm going to call him and, and have him look at some spots. And I think we can do a really sick barbershop. Wow. And so I remember everything I do, I just follow my gut, yeah. you know? So I felt like I needed to do that. Yeah. And that was enough for me to like start. And we found a spot, which is our first location we opened next month. It'll be two years, but it's on um, Higley and Baseline. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I found this little 900 square foot. It's like a little rectangle, you know? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, this is, I feel like this is where it needs to be. Yeah. So then my broker's like looking at me. He's like, all right, bro. He's like, um, so do you have a name? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, ah, no, we're kind of working on it. Yeah. And I was like, I'll let you know. He's yeah. like, all right, we probably need a name before we submit an <laughs> LOI, which is a letter of intent to even okay. start the negotiation process. Yeah. So we went home, we had all these different names. And then my son actually at that time, he was two and he was just sitting there and we had all these names that just didn't quite fit right and we were in our kitchen and we were like let's just call it nico's because that's his name nico okay. yeah. like that that has a ring to it that's good it's like yeah. all right cool so i called the broker and i said hey I, uh, it's gonna be called nico's barbershop you know <laughs> I, I went online got the llc and stuff and he's like okay he's like one thing that will help us is having a logo do you have a logo i'll put it on the loi and i'm like all right i'll get back to you <laughs> <laughs> so my wife my wife, who's a graphic designer, she she got oh, nice. a, she killed it. She got a great you know brand together and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, and she does great with that. So, you know, um, I said, all right, I got the logo, man. Yeah. He's like, all right, cool, I'll submit it. So, anyways, um, we negotiated on that spot and we got it. And I remember we went and signed the, a five year lease on it. I put a bunch of money down. Wow. And then it was like. Okay, do we know any barbers? And it's like, I'll figure it out. That's like my slogan. <laughs> so you're kind, of, you're kind of just like step by step, like back yeah. to what you're saying. Like, yeah. you just do it step by step until you yeah. got that figured out. Yeah. And that's how I put my mind. Like, when I was selling, I had to do everything step by step or else I got overwhelmed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I always put things in, in little parts. So, uh-huh. for instance, if I knocked on a door, I didn't think, oh man, I got to sell the system. Mm-hmm. And my mind was, I have to get inside their house. Mm-hmm. And that was my goal. Okay. 
And then when I got inside the house, it was the next step. So yeah. that's how I put my mind always. Hmm. It's not the end, but what's the next step? Yeah. And then it's like you're unlocking the door. Yeah. So that's how I had to do it. I said, okay, I got this. I got a space. What's the next step? Let's let's negotiate the lease and get the lease. Okay, I got the lease. This is ours. We have so the keys. Cool. All right. What do I got? I got to find a contractor. You know, I got to build it. You know, and so I just did everything yeah. step by step. That's super cool. Yeah. Because so, I think, sorry, I don't know. I think a lot of people are like so overwhelmed by starting a business. Yeah. I think they needed this huge business yeah. plan, like everything set up before they take that first step. But Yeah. You're almost better off in a lot of ways not knowing where you're going mm-hmm. and thinking different. That's why you see a lot of entrepreneurs doing stuff in spaces that they don't have experience in because you think different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and it causes you to be different and, huh. and to look at it from a different angle. And For so sure. that helps. So uh, anyways, we, we uh, found a good contractor and we started building out. And, you know, we had some money set aside. So we knew we didn't want to skip any corners. We wanted a, a, a really good looking space. Uh-huh. And through that time, I was just hoping and praying I would find the right people yeah. and 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 find a barber and it was have you guys seen the movie the little giants Long yeah. Time. yeah it's yeah. old school yeah uh-huh. so they all kind of the team kind of found each other around town you know like yeah. they found icebox the the <laughs> linebacker and then the guy that was catching the toilet paper roll you know it's a life scene. so that's how i felt like it was it was just uh-huh. the universe was putting people together in my path and helping it happen you know and so i i am a huge believer with entrepreneurs that are trying things if you work hard and are doing the right thing and you believe in what you're doing things just happen yeah you know and it's like it's like a beautiful thing you know when you when you think about it i in anyone that has a hard time conceptualizing that maybe can look back two or three years in the past and think about how things have happened to get them to the moment now and they'll start to see those connections those things Mm -hmm. that have happened and Mm -hmm. so that's what happened we 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 found um people and we were able we opened and in march of uh 18 and i honestly was hoping just to break even i remember the night before we we opened we were sitting there like, okay, how many haircuts do we have to do just to like break even? Like, yeah. I was doing the numbers like on a napkin, like, oh, we just got to do 10 haircuts and break. Oh, okay. For me, it was just a fun project. I just wanted to do it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't think anything of it. Were you and, nervous? Oh yeah. You're always nervous. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to someone today about what, what the perception of an entrepreneur is and what the entrepreneur actually is feeling is is totally different yeah Mm -hmm. and how i compare it is being an entrepreneur is like being a a stunt devil like evil knievel you know like if you're in the big stadium and you see the fire going off and evil evil knievel's getting ready to jump all the buses Uh people look at that like oh man this is so cool like look at his outfit like this guy's fearless but they don't see his heart beating and they don't see the sweat in his helmet and how nervous he is and if he makes one wrong move he's gonna die yeah. and that that's kind of entrepreneur yeah. where if you make a wrong move you can financially die yeah and then or or financially really really hurt yourself and be mm-hmm. in the hospital for six months and have to learn to walk again yeah you, you know what i'm saying and they don't see all the hours that evil knievel put in that arena yeah 
practicing and jumping. They just see how cool it is. So I feel like almost entrepreneurship has become kind of glamorized where they think it's easy and it's cool, but it it is very hard. Like even right now I'm sitting here and I'm worrying about stuff Uh that is going on with my business. Yeah. You know, I, there's, there's things that I'm concerned about right now and that's just what you do, you know? Um, but so I was nervous. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But that's part of it because what happens is he evil can evil jumps. And when he lands, that is the best feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, dang, I did that. You know what I mean? Like all that hard work, all that nervousness, all that sweat, I landed it. Yeah. And you look back at the buses and you're like, I did it, you know, and, and everyone's cheering and that's great. But that's what, that's what grows inside of you to to do it again uh-huh you know what i mean so that, so that, that feeling, feeling that you're chasing yeah. is worth all the hard work all the stress yeah all the so is that in. how you overcome nerves and is that how you handle it is yeah. by looking at what it can be or is there other ways that you handle that too yeah the the way the way i like to look at it and I, again keeping the perspective of someone listening to this and maybe starting out yeah right mm-hmm. When you start a business, you look at the big things. Mm-hmm. You look at, like for me, what's the name going to be? Yeah. What's the what's the branding? What's the shop going to look like? These are all big things. But when you get going and the thing that really helps you calm your nerves and focus in is focusing on all the small things. Mm-hmm. Like what are all the small things that we need to improve? What are all the small issues that we're having? And that's what helps you continually get through, yeah. you know, um, with, 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 without a doubt. But the, the nerves don't go away. So, you know, using, yeah. using the example of this, the evil Knievel, he's nervous the whole time. Mm-hmm. He's not immune to being scared. It's just he's using that to create a feeling and overcoming that, yeah. you know, and then that feeling of landing it is what overpowers those nerves and gets him to want to do it again Mm -hmm. you know i guess kind of like the like the bunny hill you know once you stop being nervous you need to go on to the next thing you know and once the blues stop getting you challenged and nervous you got to go on to the reds and you know that's that's kind of how it is nice so back to your story you're looking at the numbers looking at opening day trying to (laughs) So, yeah, so we're looking at the numbers like, okay, this is literally at payway. We're on a, on a, on a napkin. Like, okay, you know, this is what it is. All right. Uh, we need to do 10 haircuts. Yeah. It's like, okay, I think we can do that. So we, we did that. Um, and then we, we opened and it opened really slow. And then that's the other thing. Uh, that's the worst feeling in the world. You know, opening a business, maybe the first couple days are good. But then after that, it's quiet. <laughs> And then you have people that are depending on you. Right. And you know everything about that person. You know, uh, they have kids, if they're married, mm-hmm. maybe kind of what their financial situation is like. And that's on your back. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the hardest things as you, when you grow a business and you bring in employees. It's easy. It's easier in that sense when you're just doing it on your own. Yeah. You have a hustle on your own. It's on you, but yeah. when you bring in people that are trusting in you that this mm-hmm. thing is going to work, for sure, and you're sitting there and watching that nobody is coming in, or you know, uh, you know, it's slow, 
it's hard yeah you know and but um but you know you use everything anything negative can be a positive you know everything negative the the key is to turn it into a positive or use it for motivation and so like in my life the first negative is my dad passing away when i was young mm -hmm. so i grew up without a dad but i use that every day to positive to positively motivate me yeah. to be a great dad for my kids. Mm -hmm. And I think about the dad that I didn't have, and then I want to be a good dad for my kids. And so I think, in a weird way, I think about my dad every day, but what he wasn't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. so I'm grateful for that example because it's made me better. For sure. You know? So, you know, you use, you try to everything, you always try to spin it and you, you try to focus, keep the negatives and mm -hmm. turn them into positives. And then, and then hopefully you have a winning record. Like yeah. you have way more positives yeah. than negatives yeah. and, then, and then that's how you progress. But cool. So how did you market and get people in the chairs? Cause yeah. you said it was good and then mm -hmm. kind of dropped dips. off. Yeah. I, I had a, I had a feeling if we did a spot that. Uh, aesthetically looked cool because I you know you look at Instagram I mean you guys know all about Instagram I feel like people want to go to places that are Instagrammable yeah <laughs> yeah so right and so like it's like okay we need to have this place be Instagrammable like they'll want to share that they came here mm -hmm. and uh, so that was a big part you know just in the build-out phase and so we, 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 we spent a little extra to, to make it a great-looking shop and we wanted the community to be involved so we have a give back program okay. with, you know every time someone gets a haircut we donate a meal to feed oh, my no starving way. children yeah That's awesome. so it goes into our, our our branding and our slogan our, our slogan which is look good do good nice so we partner with um feed my starving children and we partner also with the child crisis center and we do um haircuts for the boys and girls at the child crisis oh, center here cool. in mesa and that's been a, 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 an amazing opportunity, both of those, working with both of them as part of the business. You know, that's probably my favorite thing. You know, the days I, I get to cut the boys that are in the boys' home. Yeah. And just talking with them and, and seeing what they're up to, seeing how they're progress, progressing, you know. And that, that's, when I think about it, like, that's why I did it. You know, mm -hmm. I wanted just to make an impact. Yeah. You know, the money is great and that's that's awesome, but I wanted to have a really cool place where people can come and and there could be an impact because of yeah. it. And so that's that's what we're all about. How did you come up with that idea to, to donate a meal? It just came. Mm -hmm. Um we, we knew that when we were starting the, the branding, so with the business, I think people mix up logo and brand. Yeah, that's totally different. Explain you know? the difference. So the difference, a logo is just what's on your business card, the little, the little logo stamp. Uh -huh. A brand is who you are, like your soul. Yeah, you know, like what is your story? And so we wanted to create a brand that was a, about impact over profit. And so that's why it just came naturally. Like, well, we could look. We want people to look good, but we want to do good. And it's like, yeah. oh, this, you know, that's kind of what we're about: look good, do good. That kind of encompasses what our mission is. And mm -hmm. so we are consistently uh, looking for new ways to give back. Like, we did a shoe drive in November 
Um, we met with a, another local charity this morning about ways that we can work with them. And that'll, that'll cool. just continue to grow. Wow. And that's ultimately, you know, people talk about like, what are your goals for the, for the business is continually finding new ways to create a positive impact. That's super cool. That's awesome. What do you do to get that message and that brand out there to people who don't know about you yet? You know, there's there's different ways you can do it. You know, um, we have it um, on our walls in both of our shops. You know, it's it's big. It's in front of people. Even in the new Mesa shop, we have a 20 foot neon that says "Look Good, Do Good," uh-huh. and, and and painted on the other wall it says, "Each meal equals one haircut for someone in need." So nice. we put it out, and then it creates a talking point to where we can discuss that with people and uh-huh. then through our uh, social media and um, even our customer emails or the receipts we have it all over there yeah and the idea is hopefully we can inspire people that have businesses to do the same things yeah you know to think about how can how can they how they can give back because it's it's fun do you spend more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it and call flamingo pools today flamingo pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Whether it's weekly maintenance, repairs, green to cleans, or one-time cleanings, Flamingo Pools will take care of you. Honest, reliable, and innovative. Just a few of the many good things Flamingo Pools customers have to say about them. Ask them about their mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down, allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, they know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and you'll get your first month of maintenance completely free. That's azflamingopools.com and 480-422-6013. That's cool. So let's jump back a little bit and... So are you a barber now officially? Yes. Yeah, so that so that kind of goes to the story. Okay. Yeah. So I started. So I knew when when we started to to build out um, uh, Nico's Gilbert, I had this thought where I never want to ask someone to do something that I'm not willing to do, uh-huh. and I was always fascinated with just watching fades. I just watch face like that's so cool you know what I mean yeah, like the, how yeah. you can do that for me it was like magic you know yeah. almost like like playing playing music was was awesome to watch people play guitar and then for me uh-huh. it was like I just watch people do fades but I didn't know I was like I don't know if I have time to go to school because that's a big commitment it's, so it's 50, a lot of hours yeah right? it's 1500 hours yeah. Yeah. and I had a couple I was juggling a couple projects you know and then you know it was it was it was a lot Your family mm-hmm. yeah. and then I started to um kick around the idea of going to school but I wasn't super committed to it yeah and I remember Christmas came and I had a old business partner he's he's a really good friend of mine um, Sam he got me a, a pair of shears so he got me a, a, a nice set of shears and then thinning shears and he's, he's like this is for you so when you go to school you have your you have a nice set of shears like this these were nice you know yeah and for some reason, that was just that little edge to say, I'm going to go to school. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I was undecided before. I was like, I don't know if I need to. And then when he did that, I said, I got to go because he got me these. Yeah. You know? right. It's kind of a funny detail. So anyways, uh, a few weeks before we actually opened, I started school. So for the first year of business, I would go in the morning, 
say hi to everyone, help with whatever, you know, get cash, put it in the drawer, and then I'd say goodbye, and then I would go to Mesa, West Mesa, and go to school all day. Oh, wow. And so it was was real ironic to me that I was, like, cutting, you know, in West Mesa at a shop with an instructor, and then I owned a barbershop in Gilbert that, you know, it was, like, it was real ironic. Yeah, that is. And then there was time, you know, there was times the first couple of months I would say, you know what, I'm going to, I'll, I'll stop in, you know, a month or two. I, I, I you know, I, I looked at it like an education piece. Uh-huh. Like I've, I've, I've kind of learned what it is like in a shop. Yeah. And, but when I, when I would go see the barbers there at our shop, it, they motivated me to finish. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what, I can't, I can't let them down. I don't want them to, you know what I mean? So they were, they were a huge motivation to me. And then through through that, I began to really love it, and uh, I, I was super excited to go to school every day and learn, and that was amazing. And then, yeah, I graduated, and uh, I got my license in February of 19, nice. so I've been licensed for about a year, and and then I remember the first day, it was a Saturday, I got to go cut in my own shop <laughs> after, cool. after having so it cool. open for a year, yeah. and that was that was really cool, that was the met. That was real, uh, it meant a lot to me. So, mm-hmm. so do you have to be licensed to cut hair at a barbershop? Yeah, yeah, you have to be licensed. Uh, and you, it just meant a lot to you to be able to do that too and know what you, your guys were doing to yeah. do it yourself? Yep, and then, you know, I, I, I love cutting hair. Like, Does uh, it make you feel good? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I love cutting hair. Every day I wake up happy. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. You know, like today I went and um, cut some clients for a few hours. And I'm coming, you know, I came here straight from there. Yeah. But a little hair in your ears, so. Oh, for real? <laughs> My bad. <laughs> but it was, that's awesome. You know, I love yeah. it. And it's so fun to be able to connect. And then I cut in both of our shops. I do a couple days in Gilbert and a couple days in Mesa. Oh, so yeah. I'm able to see what's going on and uh-huh. stay connected. And it's, it's all, it's a blast. So you're pretty much cutting hair on a daily basis with the rest of your employees. Yes. The rest of your guys. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Does that help you kind of? have a better connection with them like an eye level connection you're not like above them you're doing what they're doing too yeah absolutely yeah and then you know my thing is i look up to all of them yeah i don't feel above them in any way and i hope they they don't feel that and i look up i look up to them you know and so that's been a great um piece one of the things i learned you know um starting the business and then being away from it you Mm -hmm. know going to school was to get trust which is what you want as an owner you want people to trust you mm-hmm. you have to give trust yeah it's a reciprocal um action so for instance as a father i learned that too you know but to be able to have the trust of people they have to know that you trust them and so that was that was the cool thing about learning the first year not being able to be around a lot like i trusted them with everything and you know i i did everything I could, you know, to, to help the business grow and, and, and continue to progress. And so I, and I was very expressive on how much trust I had in each and every one of them. And, and then that is reciprocated. And so that's, that's, that's uh, something I learned. So something that kind of like goes along with that is when you were looking for barbers to hire, and Mm -hmm. I'm sure you still look for barbers to hire at times, uh, being a barber is a big deal because you like I know for myself like I really care about my hair like I yeah. I like I like the way it looks and yeah, I'm yeah, sure like hair, yeah. the same way <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you for want sure. it to look good and 
when it looks good, like you feel better about yourself and hair is like a big deal that a lot of people don't really think about. So how do you, how do you hire somebody Mm -hmm. that has that passion to Mm -hmm. change somebody? It can change somebody's life and know how good they are besides being licensed. Yeah. Know if they have that skill set that Mm -hmm. you're looking for. So I hire off of two things. I hire and, and, and those, uh, neither of those two things is skills. Okay. So I hire off of two things. I hire off of humility and empathy. If someone is humble, they will show up on time. They will work hard. They will continually want to learn. Mm-hmm. If someone is empathetic, they will be great in customer service. Yeah. Because what being a barber is customer service. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So, and they will care about the clients, actually have the empathy towards the clients. Mm-hmm. Everything else can be learned. Yeah. So that's how, that's how I qualify. Are you humble and are you empathetic? Mm-hmm. And if you're not the greatest barber yet, if you have those two traits, you will be, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, that's, that's what we use when, you know, look at people to, to hire, to, to bring in. That's awesome. Yeah, because the guy that took care of me when I went, he definitely had those two traits. He yeah. was a really good guy. Good. And I felt like I felt comfortable. Good. Like, Growing up, my mom cut my hair, and I felt like I was almost at home. In, yeah, in the barber shop, except for I wasn't like. I was gonna crying. say I, I'm more like, nervous at home when my mom. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, that ends up being a buzz. I have the end. Great. If you're listening, mom, you're great. At yeah, my mom is too. She just needed some weight off her shoulders. Like for sure, she needed some me time. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was time for me to just you know take care of myself. Anyways, how did you learn to hire based off those two traits? Uh, it's something that I learned early on, um, from, uh, just from experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so for instance, yesterday I spoke with the students at where I went to school, Mesa Barber School about being a professional and you know, they had me in there and, and I did a class and which was, which was an amazing opportunity. And, oh, yeah. but what I told them is I said, look guys, you know, being a professional is about everything besides the things you're learning about here. You know, you're learning how to use your clippers, you're learning how to use your shears and how to, you know, do fades and do shaves. That's, that's all great. You're going to need those things. But what will set you apart from being good to great is the things that don't require any talent. That's being humble, positive energy, positive body language, um, you know, passion, all those things. That's what really sets you apart in any field that you're in. It's those, it's not necessarily the skills. It's all the extra stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a bit about the experience customers can expect when they come into Nico's to get a haircut. Yeah. So that's, that's the biggest thing that we focus on. Honestly, there's so many barbershops. I mean, you know, if you, if you just get in your car and drive and say, okay, I'm going to look at, I'm going to count how many barbershops I see (laughs) while I drive, uh-huh. you, you will be surprised, yeah. you know, and I notice it just because For it's sure, what yeah. I do. Yeah. But I mean, the average person doesn't notice it. Yeah. So the first thing is you have to find some way to set yourself apart. And we do that by creating a, a really uh, clean environment. Yeah. You know, we offer free beverages, oh, we no have way. games, you know, at our at our locations to play. It's a family friendly one of the things that we really focus on is I feel like a lot of people are almost scared of going to barbershops because they don't know what to say. It's real like yeah. masculine and macho. Uh-huh. And that was one of the things that we wanted to kind of nip right away when we started. We wanted to be a very family-friendly environment. Yeah. 
Um, and so that's the, the first thing we'll focus on, but you know, a good consultation, understanding what you're needing. And then we, we, we accept walk-ins, but most of our stuff is on appointments. So we take our time for the cut. Yeah. You know, we time out our cuts. Not, we don't try to get as many done as possible as uh-huh. quickly as possible. Uh-huh. So we, okay. we take the time necessary to, um, to, to get what you need. So nice. You think that experience keeps people coming back? Yeah. It's funny. You know, people will go to a, a decent barber that they have a really good feeling about, a good relationship, good conversation, yeah. like the best barber that they don't get talked to. For and sure. it's like a not very a clean environment. And, you know, maybe, you know, just not the best environment. So yeah. that's, uh, we want to have the best of everything. Mm-hmm. How do you handle like an upset customer? Say the hair, their hair wasn't cut the way they wanted it. Or... Yeah, yeah, no, it happens. I mean, any business you're gonna yeah. have to deal with uh-huh. the the good and the bad. And one thing you know that you learn is when someone's happy, they'll tell a couple people. When someone's unhappy, they'll they'll want to tell everyone. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so it's it's very hard. That's why I'm so grateful when people leave like a positive review uh-huh. or you know that 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 means the world to any business owner or business you know mm-hmm. more than you than you think so i'm like very avid on leaving reviews like if mm-hmm. i go eat somewhere i like it i'll go on google and leave a review yeah. you know because i know how that's like you know, mm-hmm. how, how that is For sure. um but the best thing you can do is is most of them just want to be heard mm-hmm. so just listen and never be defensive yeah. just accept it and 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 um, use it as an opportunity uh, to get better and to learn because there's something that went wrong. It's not out of thin air, you know. Yeah, and so, yeah. what what happened? How how can we, um, you know, fix it going forward or or use it as an opportunity to get better? And that's kind of going back to when something negative happens, you can turn it into a positive. That's cool. You know, so cool. Um, so would you say now that you have a passion for cutting hair or is it still just a passion for just running and creating a business in general? Yeah, it's both. Both. Yeah. Yeah. I love cutting hair. It's awesome. It's so, it's so fun. I love the people. I love connecting with people and it's really cool because, you know, you guys know, like the older you get, it's harder to see the old friends, you know, you Mm -hmm. say, Oh, let's go to lunch. Let's go to dinner sometime. But that's, you know, especially when you have kids and stuff, it gets harder and harder. Uh But being a barber, they come in, they're sitting in your chair for 30 minutes. You get to talk to them and catch. So it's like a built-in way to stay in touch and keep in touch with people. And then at the same time, um, like you said, I feel like it's helping people feel good about themselves, giving them confidence. And so there's so many positive things that I love about it. Uh And then the artistry of sculpting someone's hair and and doing all those things is is great as well. Um, But my main focus is the big picture and the growth of the business. Uh-huh. So I purposely cap the hours I work mm-hmm. because I have so many other things to work on yeah. to continually help the business progress and to grow. So would I love to cut more and put more hours in for sure, but I almost have to limit it. So I'm focusing on the other points of the business yeah. because that's, that's my main goal is to support everyone else and to for support sure. the growth. Yeah. And you opened another location recently, yeah. right? Does that mean you just been so busy at your first location that you needed to expand? Yeah, yeah I got to the point where we uh, we were booked out for two or three days at a time. Yeah. And so 
it, you know, you have good problems and ba bad problems as a business owner. You want to have, you want to work through good problems. You yeah. know, a good problem is too many people are coming through the door. Bad problem is nobody's coming through the door. So uh, for sure, you always want to have a good problem, which uh -huh. is what was happening. Yeah. A lot of people were walking in. We were booked out. You know, we had, we started the day with 60 to 70 appointments. Wow. And we just couldn't take anyone. So it, I, did I expect to do a second location no i was just hoping the first one would break even <laughs> would survive yeah <laughs> and it was a fun project and it was just exceeded that so wow. then it, it became to the point where it's like yeah you know we need to look at a um a second location about a year in i had the feeling in my gut you know like okay we need to do we need to do another one so. that's quick that's yeah quick it was very quick up a second location yeah very quick that's super cool yeah. that is cool yeah. do you have like a kind of a game plan of how many locations you want to open or are you just taking it step by step, step yeah that's that's how i roll bro <laughs> <laughs> just good. step by step yeah. you know right now it's getting mesa stabilized and 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 flowing really good and yeah. to the point where we can't you're booked out we're booked out we can't you know we have all the chairs filled everyone is doing great and it's about looking at the culture of it is is everyone making good money is you know and yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a number of things but once we get to that point we'll probably look at doing another one and then within that there's other projects and initiatives we're working on and right. we're, we're hopeful right. of you know doing so so for you like is location a big deal or no matter where you put it are you confident that you could get traffic in it's interesting yeah that's a good question because you know location is a big deal right because you kind of have to look at who's around you. So, mm -hmm. for instance, you know, if we did a Nico's in Central Mesa, where all the barber shops are fifteen bucks a cut, yeah. it would a lot of people look at cost yeah. over value. Yeah, you know, so we we charge a little bit more, but we focus on our value. Mm -hmm. That's that's one of the our point of emphasis isn't like cost cutters or or great clips where yeah. how they do it is they do a cheap cut but they do it fast. Yeah. yeah. And they're gonna skip corners. Ours is value and service, mm -hmm. so we have to up the price. So we have to pick areas that are a little more in line with value and service. And mm -hmm. so you know, we'll, we'll we'll probably stay East Valley, you know, for a while, and yeah. you know, and, and and find the right areas that you know best fit those objectives. Yeah, you also have a good presence on social media. How is that? How have you done that, and how have you maintained it too? Yeah, so everything is visual you know and so we have a couple photographers that we rotate we just bring them in so it's always the hardest thing you know as a business people think it's easy to run an account a social media account but it's hard you know it's harder than people think you know because yeah. you have to deal with content like what am i posting what am i saying yeah. the frequency of it mm -hmm. then you go two weeks and you feel like oh, i haven't posted in forever you know what i mean yeah. so it's hard to stay consistent with that but the best thing we've done is we've had good photographers that we've had come through constant uh, uh, uh content ideas and just post it the best we can mm -hmm. and then also uh, do our best like i remember when we opened um Nico's Gilbert we were liking like everyone that went to the gym there so we would like oh, yeah. look at the businesses around who's tagged there and then we would go through like and comment uh, uh, kids in the area so we were spending like an hour a night like wow. just liking commenting and just trying to get some that built up so that really helped and we've done that in Mesa as well a uh -huh. bit with the, with the gym nearby and yeah. other things like liking and commenting yeah. so it's it's a little bit of a grind and something you do like on your couch at night when you're just chilling out watching TV and uh -huh. stuff but 
there's so many little things you can do, but the best thing is, you know, make sure you have a content strategy. How are you getting your photos done? What kind of message? Because your Instagram is basically your business card. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, so people are like, instead of saying, do you have a card? Like, what's your Instagram? Yeah. Because that's so true. Card, yeah. It's so true. Because everyone is, everyone, you can look at someone's Instagram like, oh, that's what they're about. Uh-huh. You know, or that's what, that's what it looks like. That's the experience there. So I, I try to keep that in mind, what it should be on our business card. And so when we, with the feed, we try to make it what we're about, what we do. Yeah. And, um, the look we have, things like that. Yeah. So. And what's super cool about Instagram now with the, what I love about stories and story highlights is your feed can kind of be like aesthetically pleasing and like show what you're yes. about and your brand. And then with your story highlights, I've seen on your page specifically that you show your cuts. So it yeah. shows that you're legit, you're doing business, you have good cuts and shows that authenticity too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like your, you know, your business card yeah. in a lot of ways. That's yeah, awesome. for sure. Cool. So we have a long way to go with that and we can do better. I, you know, we, all of us can probably say that the same thing. We mm-hmm. all can do better at at that but uh yeah the, the the key is just keep trying yeah nice okay so i'm i'm a bit interested to hear um kind of the jump jump shift real quick about some of the other business ventures that mm-hmm. that you've done because i know you mentioned an alarm company but i know that you have a couple other things that you've you've done <laughs> yeah, as well you've so, traveled in a lot of yeah areas. probably need a different podcast for each one but <laughs> we're kind of just interested to hear a bit about these sure. other things you've been been doing on the side yeah so I've always done little businesses since I was young. I remember when we were like super young. This is elementary school. We would, yeah. it was kind of bad, but we'd steal the little uh, chrome uh, tire, um, tire air plugs off oh, of cars, yeah. Yeah. and then I'd go to school and sell them for people's bikes. You know, That's super cool. So like I was just always doing stuff um, to to start. Some, it was always easy for me, and then I. Yeah. I remember I started like a pool company. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, we had the alarm company. Um, and then um, a couple years ago, we started a missionary supply store called Preach Supply, uh-huh. which is on Greenfield and Baseline. Mm-hmm. I have a, a wallet company called Undivided Wallets. Okay. You know, we we launched that with a Kickstarter and raised way more than I ever thought was even gonna happen. And so I was like, ah, oh, we have something here. It was just an idea. Of yeah. Mine. Um, and just, just a few different things, but you know, my wife's a creative as as well. So, um, they have a t-shirt printing company, so they print a lot of stuff for the local sports teams. And so she's always designing stuff. So that's fun. And, uh, I'm big into real estate. So right now we're looking at a couple, like, like a real estate deal, Uh you know, Uh and that's I just like to do so many different things. Wow. So I, I I can imagine myself as like an old man in the rocking chair one day, and then my kid my kids are like so or like someone that doesn't know me like what did you do you know what was your career I'm, I'm gonna be like I don't even know man you know I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> I just pick the year and I'll tell you what I was doing. So, yeah, so that's how you know it's it's um it's funny with businesses some some you begin some and you end some yeah but. There is no end to entrepreneurship. So, uh-huh. uh, and I was talking to a friend about this the other day because he uh, is getting out of a business and trying to figure out his next move. Yeah. And I said, honestly, there's no beginning and no end because something ends. That's just the beginning of something else. But sometimes you don't realize what you're beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just all this huge process, you know? And so you learn things from some businesses and you make some mistakes and some come out way better than you thought they were going to come out mm-hmm. and you, you, you ride the wave, and, yeah. you know, so, but 
overall you just hustle Mm -hmm. that's cool have you like had things happen in your life to inspire you to start these businesses or do you just kind of just come up with an idea yeah roll with it how does it what inspires you to start each one of these because a lot of them are all very different i mean yeah for sure it's just kind of like going back to the to the idea of how you write a song it just starts with an idea Mm -hmm. like you're just playing like oh that sounds really cool like let's build something off of that yeah you know but the reason why you like that riff or that that little part that you just played is because it speaks to you yeah you know it sounds good to you you know and then you you build like there's so many businesses that i've kind of started but i stopped Mm. it just wasn't developing you know what I mean? Yeah. And then there's some that you have that idea and you and it just naturally progresses and it continues to go. Like right now I have a few little riffs, you know, that I'm going to I'm trying to build songs yeah. off of and yeah. we'll see maybe two of them will will be com- a completed song, right. you know what I mean? Um but yeah, that's that's how it is, you know, you you follow the sparks, you follow uh-huh. the little the little ideas and see what 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 happens you yeah know? have any of your businesses failed or gone out of business or have you been able to sell sell most of them um been able to sell most of them there's a couple that you know not really failed or out of business but it was just done you know yeah. it was, there wasn't there wasn't much to it yeah but um luckily um especially with with the alarm company we had some really tough times yeah like pivoting and because there was a lot of money in and a lot of money out mm-hmm. um and i can probably talk for an hour about that but <laughs> but i learned a lot through that and yeah. the main thing i learned in business is make sure you have the right people on your team uh-huh. around you mm-hmm. you know because when you when you do go through those moments you realize um, who that shows true colors, Yeah, you know? So the, everything, again, everything negative that happens to an entrepreneur, the great ones turn them into positives and their learning experiences. There's never anything really bad that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why, you know, most of the entrepreneurs you see or talk to have always had some failures or some yeah, things that like yeah. didn't quite work out, you know, but they spin them and, and then it just makes them, it makes them better, mm-hmm. you know. Cool. So one more question. Yeah. It's like so. Obviously, you love what you do. You love staying busy and always yeah. creating something new. Mm-hmm. How do you balance that with your family life as well? Yeah. So that was you know with my alarm company, um, my friends and family know I was, I had an issue because I was on my phone all the time. Yeah. And I could never really detach myself. And so when I sold in seventeen, I almost had a like detox. From being connected, yeah, and it was honestly a huge blessing. Where I am so much better um, than I was, you know, where I can put it away and focus on my family. And so, part of that is, you know, getting home, setting the phone down, and just leaving it, not keeping it in your pocket, and trying to you know i I try to spend as much time as i can with my family and and be with my kids and um and that's that's what i want to do that's fun for me you know Uh so it it, you know uh, your question is how do you balance everything you it's impossible it's like (laughs) you know what i mean it's like it's like the question like 
what's the meaning of life? It's like, yeah, yeah you can, the people have different ideas yeah. and stuff, but there's so much to it that there's so many meanings and so many things you can do. It's, you can't balance work as an entrepreneur in your personal life. It all just goes together. Mm-hmm. You have to understand what you need at the time. Yeah. So for instance, there's times where your family needs you more and you need to be present with your family. Your work's going to kind of go down a little bit and you need to get off of grinding so hard and give uh, more time. And then there's times where the business is struggling. You need to up that and then you're going to lose a little bit of family time, Yeah, you know, and, and on, 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 you know, family, spiritual, everything else. So you almost have to understand what's needed and adjust, you know? So you have to be awake and aware of, what's going on around yeah. you. So yeah. for instance, if I'm super into the business and I'm not aware of what's going on with my family, you know, and or 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 even, you know, I'm I'm a spiritual person with uh on my spiritual side if I'm deficient in that area, I need to say, you know what? I need to get I need to to give myself more time in my family section or my spiritual section. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And then and then adjust a little bit. Yeah. So there's it's hard to stay balanced. You try to stay balanced the best you can, but it's almost realizing what needs feeding. You yeah. know. Cool. Give us your best piece of advice for an entrepreneur that's wanting to start a business. Man, this is a hard one. <laughs> best piece of advice for an entrepreneur wanting to start a business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best piece of advice is nobody knows what they're doing. From the smallest company to the biggest company. Everyone is trying to figure it out. So the best piece of advice I would give you is know that. Know that everyone is figuring it out and just work hard every day to figure it out. Because we're all on the same uh, same boat. You know, there's all these, you know, Nike and Google, all these companies we like look up to yeah. or Amazon. They're just trying to figure it yeah. out. What's next? What are we doing? You know, it's just they're just on a bigger scale. You have bigger issues than a small business, but we're all just trying to figure yeah. it out. So it's nice to to realize that and understand that, you know. That's cool. Okay, well, before we uh, close up here, we have a little game we're going to play with you to finish. Okay. <laughs> uh, so with this game, you have 60 seconds to answer a list of questions. There's 20 questions total. Um, and so we'll just see how many questions that you can can get through within that time oh, period. Some are fun. I'm not going to be good at this. No, no, you're good. Uh, so we'll get the clock ready here. Uh, Reggie, you want to start us off from the top? From the top. Let's do it. All right. Ready? Three, two, one. Favorite junk food? Uh, Doritos. Uh, superpower? Uh, flying. Music you'd turn on when nobody's around? Uh, classical. If you're stuck on an island, what's one thing you would bring? Guitar. Guilty pleasure. Um, guilty pleasure is uh, dang um, uh, pass. <laughs> favorite quote. Favorite quote. Um, you can summarize if you need to. Dang, there's so many good quotes. Uh, my favorite quote is uh. I have so many. I don't have a favorite. Okay. I'm if sorry. I got to get back dinner, to you. If you could have dinner with anyone in time, who would it be? Anyone in time? Um, probably Napoleon Hill. Nice. Um, what's your spirit animal? A wolf. 
Nice. Um, what's your zodiac sign? I I'm a Pisces. Okay. Uh, <laughs> our time. Dang. That was pretty good. That Damn. was really good. Yeah. yeah. Nine. Nine. Well, we passed the guilty pleasure, but yeah. yeah. So eight. No, that was nice. The guilty pleasure is that's a good one. <laughs> well, uh, next time you start another business, we'll have you back on the podcast and you can answer that question. Ah, uh, for sure. I'm down. <laughs> yeah. I'm down. We're ready okay. for it too. Um, that was fun. Before we close up, just why don't you take a minute to let our listeners know just. Anything else you want to say about Nico's, where we can find you, where we can look you up? Yeah, that's great. Um, so you can book an appointment at nicosbarbershop.com or you can call us or walk in anytime. We have two locations, uh, one in Gilbert and one in Mesa. Our Gilbert location is on Higley and Baseline and our Mesa location is on Greenfield and Brown. Cool. And I definitely mm-hmm. recommend anyone getting a haircut to go. Not only are you supporting a local business, but you're supporting these charities and these uh, funds that... Yeah. That Rajiv is is helping out here, so it's a super cool cause that you're you're doing. Yeah, it's definitely thanks, worth guys. it. They they do an incredible job. Yeah, on and there. they do a good job cutting your hair. So. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Thanks Thank again you. for coming. All right, on. guys. Thanks for having me. Catch you next time. All right, brother.